0: This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Well, praise the Lord as our ushers are receiving this. Man, I just encourage you to keep praying. It's kind of like the song that they sang. Our God is able, just don't give up, okay? Don't give up. And the only time we fail is when we fail to get back up. Just keep getting back up. Okay. Let's go to the book of Matthew, chapter 28. Matthew 28. We've been talking about the authority of the believer. We're going to go on it again tonight and just see how far we go. And once again, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to do everything through the power of the Holy Ghost I can to just go slow here, okay? Just give us a little bit each week. And, man, let's absorb this stuff because this will change your life. Now, the authority that belongs to, to us, if you're born again, There's authority that belongs to you for no other reason than you're born again. And the authority that belongs to us as believers is not just given to a few chosen ones. It's not just given to a few select ones. It's given to every believer. Salvation is for all and all who get saved can operate and function under the authority that Jesus gives us. The issue with the authority is, number one, i got to know what my authority is. And number two, I've got to know how to use it. Now, if you took a $20 bill and put it in a, a secret compartment of your wallet or your purse, and you said, I'm going to put that in there for, for emergencies. And you put it in there, and one day in your life, you had an emergency, but you forgot that it was in there, it would do you absolutely no good. So once again, that's the same with the authority that the kingdom of God has issued to us. That just because I have it, and it's there, unless I I exercise it, it's not going to do me no good. Now let's begin here in Matthew chapter 28. Oh, let's just start in verse 16. Matthew 28, verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had pointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me. Now look what Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. How did Jesus obtain all that authority? Well, we go back and review from the last few weeks that Jesus came to the earth as a man. He was tempted as a man. He died as a man. And he went to hell even as a man. And so while he was in hell, he took back all the authority that Adam had given to the devil when Adam sinned. And so right here, this tells me how Jesus obtained all that authority. Keep reading. All authority has been given to me, where? In heaven and on earth. Now, if I stop reading right here, many will look and say, well, Jesus has all the authority in heaven and earth. And if Jesus has all the authority, then it's all up to Him. And that's the way a lot of Christians view things. That, well, if... If God wants me well, then He'll just heal me. If God wants me set free, then, well, guys, there's a part that we all play in this, okay? Now let's keep reading here, and Jesus will give us some insight. Verse 19, go therefore, or therefore go. Now right here, guys, He is, He is authorizing me and you to go. And so He says, go therefore, "...and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, people, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, the people, the disciples, to observe or obey all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." So when I read this, all the authority that Jesus has, He's now conferred it or given it to us as believers. Now, what is authority? Authority is delegated power. So what this means, guys, is we are under the authority of Jesus. But he's saying here, go therefore and do these things. Now, I couldn't do these things if I didn't have authority to do them. But we are under his authority. Now, let's go to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And I I believe this very strongly for all of us as believers. A lot of the problems we have as believers is because we permit it or we allow it. Now understand this. Jesus is telling us, you're going to have to do something, okay? He's telling us, I've done everything I'm going to do. Now I am transferring all of my authority to you. Now, in these upcoming weeks, we're going to talk real strong about our authority. Man, I tell you, we are loaded with authority. And it'll come where you begin to understand it, you begin to know it, and you begin to use it and do it. Ephesians 1, verse 22. And he put all things where? Under his feet. These things are under Jesus' feet. And he gave him, Jesus... To be the head over all things to the church. Now, understand what he's talking about here. Jesus is the head. Me and you were the body, we're the church. You know what the church is? It's not this building. The church is the body of Christ. The church is made up of people. Now, look back what he said here. He said, and he to be the head over all things to the church. Now, when he writes this, he's letting us know, me and you are the church. And so all of Jesus's victory, all of Jesus, all his accomplishments are now designated to the church. How are you a part of the church? Well, you don't have to be a... a Member of the first church of the frozen chosen to be part of the church, okay? You don't have to go through this class or that class. When you get born again, you are part of the church. You are part of the body of Christ. And every one of us are important to the body of Christ. I don't care how you view, you're important. I don't care if you're a pinky, you're important. I don't care if you're the little finger on the little toe, you're important. Every one of us are important to the body of Christ, okay? So right here, Jesus gives us some ideas, and he tells them that I've given these to the church. Everything I've done is for the church. Understand this, Jesus paid a huge price for the church. Be careful what you say about the church, okay? Be careful. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy... Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses or sin. So understand this. God loved you even while you were a sinner. Even when you were living, he never quit loving us, okay? He might not have liked what we were doing, but he still loved us. Even when we were sinners. And so that tells me, guys, man, he's going to receive you just as you are, okay? I don't care how bad of a sinner you are, God loves you. This is the message the world needs to hear right there. God loves you. God loves you, okay? Keep going here. Verse 5. And he's made us alive together with Christ. How? By grace you have been saved. Okay, now think about this just for a minute. By grace, and you know what grace is? Unmerited favor. So when you got saved, it was not by anything you've done. It was not because you did a hundred hell Marys yesterday. It's not because you went to church yesterday. No, salvation is a gift. And so he said that he saved us by the grace through Christ Jesus. Okay, so I've been born again by Christ Jesus. How does that happen? Once again, it's John 3 where Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Being born again, guys, though, is more than just a one-time confession. Jesus wants us to live for him. That's why he said to his disciples, come follow me, come follow me. He didn't say, get born again and run back to the world. He said, follow me. So right there is the first thing we got to see. That we've been made alive together. With who? With Christ. With Christ, okay? Verse 6. And we've been raised up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So everything that we have, guys, is because of Jesus. Now, if you'll note right there, there's three togethers. Look back in verse 5. And he's made us alive together. Now, these are talking about our union with Jesus, like we're married to him. So we're alive with Christ. You know what that's talking about? His resurrection. Verse 6. And He raised us up together. That's His ascension. And He's made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's His present rule. So if we're all this in Christ Jesus, guess what? Everything that His name and that throne represent, they've been delegated to me and you. Just because of the blood of Jesus upon us. Now, let me help you just a little bit how you see that. When you were born into this world, what did you do to get born here? Absolutely nothing. Boop! You came tumbling out and there you were. Oop, there he is. And what did you do to get your name? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. Now my last name is Swan. That's my father's last name. And my father didn't say to me, Now listen, you little knucklehead, you're going to have to earn this last name. No. It was just given to me. So everything that my father had, his honor, his dignity, everything, became mine. Everything in his house became mine. This is exactly how it is in the kingdom of God. And all there is, once again, is I receive Jesus as Lord and Savior of my life. And God says, you are part of the family. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And guess what? In my own life, you've heard me say this, I caused a lot of pain, and I did a lot, a lot of sinful things in my teenage years. But never in all those teenage years did I walk in and my dad look at me and say, You've got to get a a new last name. I'm done with you now. He never said it. He may have thought it. But he never did it. That's the same as us as children of God. When you make a mistake, God doesn't say you're out. That's why God put in the clause for me and you to repent. He said, man, if you'll just repent and keep your heart right, I'll forgive you and I'll cleanse you. And so I want you to see right here why some of these things happen for us. But everything the throne represents has been designated to me and you. The authority from that throne has been designated to me and you. Now, turn over a couple more pages to Ephesians chapter 6. We may get out of Ephesians, I don't know. Ephesians chapter 6. Now, as you're turning to Ephesians 6, remember when we read there in Matthew 28 where Jesus said, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth? I want you to think about that just a second. Where's Jesus right now? He's in heaven. And where are me and you right now? We're here on earth. So what has happened is, guys, Jesus isn't at earth. He's not coming back to earth until he comes back for us in the second coming. And it's going to be a good day. It's going to be a great day. But that's not happening yet. There's still a lot of life left. So what's happened here is Jesus says, all the authority that I have, I'm bestowing it on you guys right here on earth. And so the very authority that God had originally given to Adam, and this was a few weeks ago, when God gave Adam that authority, remember what he said? He said, you have dominion over all the things of the earth, all the creeps and everything. But when Adam sold out, remember, the devil obtained all that. When Jesus went to hell, according to Colossians 2.15, and he disarmed principalities and powers, all that authority that Adam had given him, he took it back. Now, you know what Jesus is saying? Here, it's you guys'. You have dominion. You have authority again. How do I have dominion and authority? In the name of Jesus. And so i got to get a hold of this, guys. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, and that word finally there, guys, does not imply in conclusion. But it means more of the rest of our life or as its challenges are concerned. Finally, my brethren. Who's the brethren? And you know what the brethren can apply to? The brethren can apply to individual believers like me and you, or it can pertain to the body of Christ, a corporate anointing. Now, there's power in a corporate anointing. You know how I know that? The Bible says one will put 10,000 to flee, Two will put ten, I mean, one will put a thousand to flee, two will put ten thousand to flee. Something happens when the body of Christ unites. That's why, man, when we begin to pray as a team, as a church, as the, bo- things happen, guys. The devil gets nervous. He realizes, oh, no, 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 this is not good. They understand their authority. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now understand this, guys. Not be strong in your power or your might. Who did he say? Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Here's an illustration that will help you. Now remember, authority is delegated power. Let's just say that Tech had a big football game tomorrow night. After the game, you have 50,000 plus people that are leaving the stadium. The traffic's nuts. So we have police officers that are standing in the middle of the street. And guess what happens when the police officer does this? You know what people do? They stop if they're smart. He does that. And when the police officer does this, I've always wanted to do this. (laughs) They do it. They do it. Now understand, guys, a police officer is no match for a car that's even going 35 miles an hour. But because of the delegated authority that's put on that police officer, when he does this, that ton car stops and obeys. Because why? The authority that's delegated on him. That's the same with me and you. Me and you do not have power to, to overcome the devil. But when we start using the delegated authority, the name of Jesus, the devil's like, oh no, they know the truth. They know the truth. But once again, if the police officer just stood there in the middle of the street and didn't delegate his authority, you know what's going to happen? He's going to get run over. He's going to get smashed. And so think of this, guys, as far as delegated power. The value of delegated power depends upon the force behind the user. So when that police officer does that, you know what? Man, he means business. We've got police officers in here, so I'm going to be careful what I say. But how many of you ever pulled up and a police officer doing that and you, you, you give him a little hand signal like, I want to go this way? And you pull that taser out and you're like, okay, okay, No. But see, once again, all it is is the police officers understands the delegated. Authority. That's as us as believers. Man, he's given us delegate. So once again, get a hold of this. It happens behind the force behind the user. Now let me tell you this real quick. This is just coming to me. There's a passage there in Acts where these guys saw the disciples casting out devils taking authority over the devils. So they stroll into this place, and they said, we beseech you by the same God that Peter and Paul and those guys. And guess what it says? That those demons went after them and said, we know who Peter and Paul are, but who are you? And it said that they ran out of the house naked. And those demons tore them up. So what I'm telling you here is once again, I've got to start understanding my authority. You can't use the authority of Jesus and say, you know what, I, I cast you out because Bob Worth told me. Now Bob's a great man. But it would be like, I, I cast you out by the, 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 the guy Pastor Stormy preaches about. The devil would look at you and say, we got him, we got him, okay? Keep reading here with me. So he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God. Now let me ask you a question, who's to put on the whole armor of God? We'll keep reading and it'll tell you. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the tricks, the ambushes, the strategies of the devil. So who's to put on the armor of God? Me and you. Who's to stand? Me and you. Who are we to stand against? He tells us right there, the devil. Now, once again, understand this. The devil is not some fantasy. He's not some fairy tale. If I don't learn to engage the devil, understand completely tonight. He's constantly engaging you. And he's constantly engaging your marriage. And he's constantly engaging your children. And he's strategizing right now. But look back what he said. Put on the whole armor of God. Why would you need armor? Because we fight. We fight. You're in a fight unlike any other thing than you've ever been in. Who are we fighting against? Well, look, number one, the devil. Look at verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Who are these yahoos? Who are the principalities and powers? You know who they are? They are the fallen angels that were stupid enough to follow the devil. And these are the same ones that in Colossians 2.15, Jesus said, I disarmed them. I made a public spectacle of them. That's who they are. And so guess what, guys? Until I start putting my armor on. you got to put your armor on. Does the devil take days off? Absolutely not i got to put my armor on. Now, go with me to 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5. I want you to see this before we end tonight. And I'm just going to throw in there. I I don't know one of these nights I'm probably going to talk about the armor of God. You can read that in that passage here in Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18. Let me tell you just briefly a little bit about the armor. Every one of the armor are for me and you to be on a defensive. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Take the shield of faith. It's everything to be on the defensive. You put a helmet on. You, uh, sh- your feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel. Every one of them are on the defensive. Except the last one. And when you, you get the last one, it says, Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And you think about a sword. And I'm telling you, you want to go on the offensive in your house? Begin to speak the word. And we talked about this a few weeks ago. Speak the word, speak the word, speak the word. Let it roll out of you. Speak the word on a daily basis. I'm telling you guys, one of the most significant things that's happened in my life happened on December 22nd when I taught about the blood through Rahab the harlot. How she bound her family to the blood. I'm telling you guys, there's not a day goes by that I'm not binding my life to the blood. I bind in my, I bind my eyes to the blood. Lord, I bind my mind to the blood. How many of you have ever had crazy dreams and you thought, oh God, I'm not even saved? I've been there. Man, not no more. I'm binding my mind when stuff starts knocking up my door. I said, no, nah, I bind my, my mind to the blood. And I'm mean, just part of putting on my armor every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. Clothing myself with this stuff. Ephesians 5, not Ephesians 5, 1 Peter 5. Verse eight: be sober, self con- or, or, or self-controlled. Be vigilant, watchful or alert. Why? Because your adversary, your enemy, your opponent, the devil. Now get a hold of that guy. The devil. until you've you got to look at it this way. He, he hates every one of us. I want to back up just a second. I should have hit on a little bit more. Ephesians 6.12 said, We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Understand this right now. That if someone in your life is causing havoc toward you, let's say you work somewhere. And then there's somebody that just every day they come after you. They lie about you. I mean, they, they make your life miserable. Understand this. Behind what's taking place with them is a principality power, ruler of the darkness. And you know what? In the natural, you can go up there and punch him in the head all you want. The devil's like, let him, tear him up. But guess what's behind the scene? That demonic force. So he told us something there. You wrestle not against them. So what are we doing, guys? i got to get to the point in my life where I understand... I'm going to take authority over that. Now, once again, anytime you deal with the devil, and I'm just going to use you for an example, Monty. Monty's an angel. He's not a demon. But right now, he's going to be a demon. And so, he's coming against me, and he's coming against me, and he's coming against me. And when I begin to take authority, I'm not taking authority over the person. I'm taking authority over that demon that's that's bugging him, that's messing with him. Understand this. And so, how that works, because you just begin to say, in the name of Jesus, I bind that spirit up, that manifests through him, and I tell you right now, you won't manifest toward me. Let me tell you what I used to do. God, my time's gone. I used to work at a job, guys, and and we had to do some collections. And there was one businessman. This lady was she was she was worse than the Wicked Witch of the I mean, rugged, mean, and and, and I had guys that would say, Oh no, I got to go see her. And every time we'd go in there, I mean, she she would. I mean, she she had to be the devil's girlfriend. She's that ugly. And so, man, I shouldn't have said that. But, let me get my thought here back. But the Lord began to show me, and he'd say, listen, you don't have to put up with that stuff. You don't have to put up with it. So one day I'm sitting there, and I looked down there, and I got that order. I said, oh, crud. And then the Lord said, take authority over it. Take authority. So I said, you foul spirit that, that, that messes with that woman, you won't manifest when I go in there in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you right now. You will not. So I go strolling in and she sees me and she knows who I'm with and she looks at me. So under my breath I said, Uh-uh, oh, the name of Jesus. You won't manifest in, in the name of Jesus. Once again, the authority is strong. On the, it's behind the force of the user. So I mean, I got the eye of the tiger. I'm in the name of Jesus. And, I mean, and I'm, not, I'm not doing it toward her. Because I realize she's just yielding to that thing. So... She comes up, and I'm telling you, the love of God comes on me. I begin to talk to her. I begin to communicate. And I have a wonderful conversation. Everything's well. Well, I used it for my advantage. The next few times that all the other guys got that order, they'd say, oh, no, we got her. I'd say, you know what? I'll take that if you'll buy me a hamburger. You can have it. And I'd I'd bind it up. I'd bind it up. It's not in the name of it. You're not going to do that. You're not going to do that. Now, I'm telling you guys, I can tell you, I've been refereeing for years. We'd have crazy coaches. I'd take authority over them, too. I'd say, that ugly spirit in him, you won't manifest when I'm in here. And there were times I was reffing, man, it kicked the blade. And I'd say, in the name of Jesus, I told you. And so, once again, this is what I'm talking about now. Golly, we got to 1 Peter 5. I don't know if we can keep going there. Once again, look right here. This is maybe where we're going to pick up next week. But understand. Now, let's just keep going here real quick. I've got to get this to you tonight. He said, "He said because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now think about this, seeking whom he may devour. If he could devour me and you any time he wanted, he'd already done it. Who does a lion pray after? I'm going to tell you who a lion prays after. He prays after the weak, he prays after the isolated, and he prays on the ones that aren't alert. That's what happens. But look at verse 9 resist him there's no way I can resist him unless I have power and authority to resist him now you do you have power and authority now look what it goes on to say here resist him steadfast in the faith you know what that means you can't be movable. You've got to be immovable. You've got to be rooted. You've got to stand and you've got to stand. And you stand and you stand and you keep resisting. You keep resisting. Because think about this. If we were to go to the plains of Africa tonight, do you think the lions there take days off? Absolutely not. It's the same as the devil. And day after day you stand. And day after day you stand. And resist him. Now that's next week. We're really going to get over on our resistance. Man, we begin to resist. We begin to resist. But understand this, guys. You've got to be taught this stuff. Let me, let me end with this tonight. Every day in Africa, the gazelle arrives, and the gazelle knows that if he's not faster than the fastest lion, he'll die. And every day in Africa, the lion arises, and the lion knows that if he's not faster than the slowest lion, he's going to starve to death. The moral of the story is, It doesn't matter if you're a gazelle or a lion. When the sun comes up, you better be running. You better be running. That's the same as us as believers. I mean, when you get up, get your armor on, begin to suit up and say, okay, okay, stand up so the nursery workers don't fire me. They've threatened. Bless them. Bless them. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.